Hi everyone, welcome back. This is Yumei Chang, and I am the founder of Life Is Love School, where I teach people that suffer childhood trauma or relationship abuse essential skills to live a happier and healthier life. Today is part two of how do I find a partner after suffering abuse. This topic is important because a lot of times after we've had multiple setbacks in our relationships. We can lose confidence in our ability to ever have a great relationship. And some of you would say, well, in this case, I'm just going to isolate myself and I'm going to be single forever. And that's really a great loss because as humans, and in fact, as mammals, we have a natural tendency to want to connect. Connection is good for our mental health. It increases longevity. It enriches our life in multiple ways. So it's really important to say, even though something terrible has happened in the past, I can learn from this. Every experience is an opportunity for me to evolve and learn from what happened so that I can grow and become a better version of myself. So I encourage you that to not be scared that even though something bad has happened before, to see it as a growth opportunity. I think that's one of the best mindsets to have regardless of what happens in your life. Because even though you can't change what has already happened, your attitude of how you're going to take what has happened, whether to use it to impede you or to fuel you and your future will make all the difference. So let's continue. So point number one is a huge one, which is I want you to keep the bar high. And this is so important, especially if you suffered childhood trauma, because a lot of times when we suffer childhood trauma, what we see at home are bad examples. They're just all bad examples. A lot of us have been, for example, you know, sexually molested or physically abused or emotionally abused, stonewalled, or we've seen our parents do that to each other. So what happens is that becomes then seem like kind of normal, right? That's all we know. So then our bar is really low. When you have the bar low and you go into a dating scenario, it would seem like everybody is a great person, but that's not true. So just because your current relationship, they're not beating you up when you saw your mom got beaten up, that's not good enough. So let's say that you're still being emotionally abused. Well, you got to raise the bar. So then a lot of times I get questions from my members and they would ask, well, you know, um, this person just did this and that to me. My boyfriend just said this and that to me, or my girlfriend just uh, did this to me and it seems really not thoughtful. What should I do? Should I stay or should I go? And my answer is always, it depends. It depends on what you find acceptable or not. In life, you always get what you accept. So what I mean is, let's say that um, your job, right? How much you're getting paid, that's what you accepted. You interview, you get offers. If you accept an offer, that's what you're paid. So you could always say no and you keep searching and then you might get a better offer or you might not. That's the same thing as in dating. So if you have the bar high, you will either meet somebody who has meet that bar or you might end up with nobody. So that's why in the previous episode, if you missed that, I encourage you to watch it. It's super important that you, your plan B, which is being by yourself, is incredibly good. Because when your plan B is incredibly good, guess what? You go into dating with a lot of confidence. You're not desperate. Because if your life is already like this good, like really good, then this, uh, the partner must add to it, right? They must be this good. 
in order for you to want to spend time and energy with him versus by yourself, with your friends, with your family, with your pet, with your hobby, with your work. So to the extent you can raise your own life to be as high as possible is one of the best ways for you to make, to have it very easy to raise that bar. So I'll give you another example of myself. <laughs> I have a lot of examples of myself. Um, I once dated this Swiss guy. So he's 6'4 and he's an athlete. And because he didn't have a car, I went to pick him up. And he said that we should go to his favorite sushi restaurant. So we went there. So I'm like 5'8 and, you know, two thirds his weight. So he proceeded to eat 75% of the sushi. And when it came to the end of the meal, he said, let's go Dutch. That didn't feel right. But because my bar was so low, you know, to me, he didn't yell at me. He didn't, he didn't push me. He didn't shove me. He didn't, he wasn't outright rude. I didn't see that as, you know, a deal breaker. It should have been a deal breaker, one of many, but I didn't see it. Um, but eventually he goes to me, he did a, a bunch of different things. And I was like, okay, enough is enough. So I decided to cut him loose. Then my girlfriend, Jessica, you know, bless her heart. She meant well, she asked me, you know, you may, do you have a pipeline? And I said, what do you mean by a pipeline? And she said, well, you know, do you have other guys waiting in, in the back if you cut this guy out? And I said, no, I don't. And she's like, well, then you should just, you know, give him another chance. What do you have to lose? And so I did. And that was bad advice. So here's another cautionary tell, which is your friends and family could give you advice from the best intentions. But at the end of the day, you still have to use your good judgment. So just because you do not have a pipeline is not a good enough reason to keep somebody in your life when they're not meeting your bar. So remember that keep the bar high and the more awesome your life is, the easier it is to keep the bar high. And in fact, I encourage you to examine your current bar because if you suffer childhood trauma or if you suffered a lot of adult relationship trauma, chances are good your bar is set way too low. Now, the next point I want to mention is ask the hard questions first. So a lot of the members, a lot of times you're hesitant to ask the hard questions at the beginning of the dates, right? If you're going on a date, everybody's kind of trying to be nice, trying to say pleasantries, trying to not get into conflicts. But the problem is if you don't ask the hard questions, you'll still find out about it later. And that's not a good thing. So let's say that you really care about having kids or you really don't want to have kids, right? These are deal breakers for some relationships. And I've seen too many relationships where, you know, two, three years down the road, they break up over this issue, which they could have resolved on the first to third date. Now, the question is, how do I ask the question? Because you can literally say anything, ask anything if you know how to do it. So if this is a topic of interest, let me know. And I'm happy to do another video about it. But don't be afraid to put forth the difficult questions, the deal breakers in the beginning of a relationship, because at that point you haven't invested much yet into the relationship. And that's actually the best time to ask the difficult questions. A mistake that too many people make is they're way lenient at the start of the relationship. They're playing nice, you know, but then later in the relationship, as they got to know each other better and they start to take each other for granted, then they start to tighten the rope and they're like nagging or criticizing the partner. Instead, you should flip the script. Why? 
because in the beginning you're not invested he's not invested you don't lose much by walking away right so you want to just be really careful and quite stringent in your in your determination of whether to see that person again in the beginning but let's say that you're in a long-term relationship now and this person is overall proven to be a wonderful person who has your back who's loyal who's honest and you know they didn't do the dishes as they promised right in that case cut him some slack right this is your long-term partner who's been there for you through thick and thin so just flip the script make sure that you think in a very charitable way very compassionate way towards someone who's proven that they love you who cares about you but when people you're just dating somebody fresh then make sure that you're asking all the hard questions and you're not letting things slide or acting like a doormat because that will then become the feel of the relationship in a relationship think about this where at the beginning everything is kind of like wet cement it's very fluid you could you know step on it and it'll have a footprint you can shape it in any way you want as a relationship progresses the cement will harden into a sidewalk so if you don't like something let's say that you don't like him coming to dates 15 minutes late don't stay silent the first time he does it and then bark at him on a 10th date after you couldn't take it anymore it's not fair to him it's also not fair to you so the first time he does it just mention that ask him a question like hey you know uh, I noticed that you're 15 minutes late uh, what happened right if he didn't proactively apologize or explain what happened and then let him know that you have a busy schedule and then you would prefer if he could be on time right typical boundary setting um, scenario here now the other thing that's really important to do and I think a lot of uh, trauma survivors abuse survivors tend to not do very well is that you might invest too much upfront right you go all in with very little information I've even seen uh, people complain or feel bad feel heartbroken after just three dates and the guy ghosts them right it's one thing to feel like kind of miffed or kind of rejected everybody can feel that but to feel like a full-on heartbreak that's not normal like you shouldn't feel that way because you don't know enough about that person in the first few months everybody's still on their like best behavior you literally don't have enough information to know who that person is like on the core sense in a true sense hormonally it takes about one and a half years to two years for the feel-good hormones like dopamine oxytocin etc to dissipate down to normal level and it's after that period has gone away that you can really like think with a clear head and feel with a clear head is this a person that I'm actually compatible with so don't go in too hard too fast and definitely don't browse your social media their Instagram look at their picture and think oh my god they're so handsome they have a dog I love dogs do they like to bike I also love to bike you know what if we were to have kids what would the kids look like what if you know I would take his last name how would that sound right all this fantasy going on before you even meet the person is not good so a lot of times our thinking will match our behavior so if you're spending hours going to the hair salon doing your nails before you go on a date you are already over investing like typically I would say go on a first date spend maybe 15 20 minutes getting ready and that's it right don't over invest you have to invest to match 
Investive match means that if he invests in you, you invest in him. It's like we both move forward at the same time. You're not outrunning this person because when you outrun them, you would feel that you've given so much and so much sunk cost has gone in that you it's too late to leave. I hear a lot of women that are in abusive relationship and they said, well, you know, I've already given him like 15, 20 years of my life, my best years. I can't leave now, right? You don't want to end up in that situation where you gave too much upfront and you continue to overgive. And also there's something called the Ikea effect. So for those of you who own Ikea furniture, you'll know what I'm talking about. Ikea furnitures, you know, generally look pretty good, but they're not sturdy or anything, but the phenomenon is because you're the one who built it, you put it together, you screwed it, you took hours to you know, put a, a bed together. You actually like the item more because you put your blood, sweat and tears in there. So you want to make sure that the other person is also putting in some effort into the relationship because the more they put effort in, the more they're invested. It's the same reason why parents love their kids, right? Because they have to change diapers, wake up in the middle of the night to feed them, spend money to put them to school, etc. That's a ton of effort. Whereas kids don't spend nearly as much effort into the parents. So that might explain why, you know, parents are oftentimes more attached to the children than the children are attached to the parents. There is a book called The Little Prince. And if you like to check it out, it's a, kind of a fun read. But The Little Prince loves a rose and he had a little a poem or a, a love um, poem for this rose, which he deems more special than any other rose. And he said, you're not any different just from the way you look, but I love you more because you're the rose that I watered. You're the rose that I picked the caterpillars off. You're the rose that I spend time with. You know, that's why you are special to me. And I think all relationships have some of that quality. So make sure you don't take the joy of him investing in you away by over-investing yourself. Now, the very last point that I will cover is that in dating, especially if you're dating later in life, you want to cast it as wide of a net as possible. Now, why do I say that? Well, everybody wants to date a guy or marry a person who is one in a thousand or one in a million. So when you think about that number, what does that tell you? If you want to meet somebody one in a thousand, that means mathematically, I'm just being a geek here because I am a geek. On average, you'll have to like kiss 500 frogs. That's the average number. Your, uh, your luck may vary. Some, some people may meet her or him on the first try and some might be the 1000s or even after 1000, you might not meet it if you're truly unlucky, right? There is no guarantee, but on average 500. So that means that you have to go on a lot of dates. Now, everybody's really busy. So to know how to optimize your time and how to cast your net wide is super important. If there is interest in this topic, let me know and I'll do another video on this. There's so many topics that I can talk about, but high efficiency dating and dating smart is ultra important. And later in life, what happens is that the dating pool thins out good guys. By good, I mean people that are emotionally stable, that have their life together, that are secure. Because those guys tend to be married in their 20s and 30s, and they're still married, right? So if you're entering the dating pool, say later in life or re-entering it, 
there's gonna be a lot more frogs in that pool. So you just have to be even more efficient and even smarter in cutting out frogs early. I hope you find today's topic helpful. As always, I love hearing from you. Drop a comment and then check out the show notes. I have quite a few resources for you. And until next time, have a wonderful week.